There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to the Business Elevation Show. And delighted today, we've got another fantastic guest. We're going to be talking about the art of brilliance. We're going to be talking about happiness. We're going to be talking to Andy Cope. And I'd like to say before we start uh, that if you're at the moment, you're um, looking in, in your business, you're thinking about how can you be more successful? How can you um, kind of practically maybe dominate your marketplace and become you know, a real go-to person, then I would strongly recommend that you go back into the archive and listen to the interview last week with Ashley Latter. Um, Ashley is an expert uh, in terms of selling and communication, and uh, he decided 24 years ago to focus on the dental sector uh, when he had two clients, two dentists, on a program that he was running. And since then, he's done 32,000 hours of training, and he was um, voted, I think, in 2018, the 12th most influential person in dentistry globally. And he had some really just simple, practical ideas and thoughts on how to dominate your market and become very, very successful. And I have to say, I shared it straight away with my colleague. We've got a meeting about it on Monday to think about how we utilize the learning. I've had a number of messages from people saying it was just really practical and really helpful. So thank you to Ashley Latter for that. Now, we're going to talk today about being brilliant, about being successful and happy. Um, And I think it's just a really important time right now, isn't it? As we're all still coming to terms with uh, with COVID and this pandemic and, and on the fallout. I've just heard today that uh, my country, the United Kingdom, is two trillion in debt now, uh, and apparently that's not big compared to some uh, some countries. And we're hearing more and more about redundancy, and it's a challenging time. And keeping ourselves up there, keeping ourselves successful, keeping ourselves happy, I think is really really important. And we've got. We've got the person to talk to us about it today. We've got Andy Cope. Now, Andy's a qualified teacher. He's a well-being expert, a recovering academic. He's a best-selling author. And um, he um, did a PhD in Loughborough University. And he says that uh, he revels in the irony that the thesis that he created on human flourishing actually ended up making him completely miserable. Um, His books are frequently on the bestsellers list, The Art of Being Brilliant, Shine, The Little Book of Emotional Intelligence, and Zest have all topped the personal development charts. And Happiness Root Map was nominated as the Independence Best Self-Help Book of the Year. He's not done yet, though. 2010 TC is the publication of How to Be a Wellbeing and a Girl's Guide to Being Fearless. So we're going to talk today with Andy. We're going to talk about his common sense principles on how to ensure that you focus on what you're good at, become super brilliant, super happy, both at work and at home. And incredibly, we're almost neighbours. So a big welcome to Andy Cope. Hi, mate. Thanks for having me. Well, very welcome indeed. And it's funny this, isn't it? We're... we're, we're communicating we know with this show every month we have uh, accesses in over 50 countries and we've just been talking to Erin in um, in Voice America in Phoenix Arizona and uh, I think you're probably one of the nearest guests to my home I think we're literally about 15 miles away aren't we something like that we're not far away fella yeah and no, it's great to speak to you and I think your intro summed it up beautifully because there is currently a world shortage of happiness I think if you kind of look around I mean, this is, I don't know when you're listening to this as a, as a listener, but we're like recording it. We're still in lockdown pretty much. I don't know if it's one meter or two meters. We're still wearing masks. It isn't great. And, and I think right from the start of it in March, the whole language of the thing for me, social distancing and social isolation. Chris, we're, we're social creatures. And I think we're setting ourselves up for some mental health problems. 
Um, so I'd like to kind of maybe share some of the stuff that I did at Loughborough Institute. Share some of the, the thesis runs to 130,000 words, and I don't want to do that to anybody. But what I specialize in doing is, is if you take a PhD and you lose the big words and you boil it down to the basics of actually what have I learned about how to flourish in a world that's hell-belt on knocking us sideways. And I think listeners will benefit from that today. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think that's uh, going to be really, really important. 130,000 words. There's no wonder you made you feel miserable. Yeah, mate, it wasn't. I mean, it took, also took 12 years. I mean, it's, it's kind of ironic oh. as a Brit, isn't it? You know, it took you 12 years and people say, what, well, is that because you couldn't find any happy people in England? And I think, you know, <laughs> I don't want to sort of put the boot into the Brits, but I grew up in, you know, perfectly normal person, slightly underachieving at school academically. I never really thought about happiness. Some days I was happy. I called those days Saturdays and some days I wasn't. I called those days Mondays. And I learned like, the vast majority of people learn is to fit in. So, and you know, I live just down the road from you. If I stop a hundred people in my glorious hometown and say, how are you? A hundred people have learned to say, oh, well, I'm not too bad considering, or I'm fair to middling, or I'll, okay. I'll be all right at five o'clock. So, and I fitted into that pattern as well. Perfectly ordinary, same old, same old, perfectly sane, perfectly reasonable until about 2004, mate. And here's a question that I think might launch a, a decent conversation with us. And the question rattling around in my little head was this, was it, it was, could you be happier even if nothing in the world around you changed? Mm. Right now, that's not a trick question, but if all the listeners just rattle that around a couple of times, could you be happier even if nothing in the world around you changed? And my answer to me in my little head was yes, which is kind of a really interesting answer because it was an admission, if you like, for the first time ever, that I had the potential to be happier. So the world didn't need to change. In fact, the world wasn't going to change to accommodate me. The world was going to continue to do what the world does. Well, it's a question in my head, Chris, and I, I didn't know if it was just me being slightly strange. So could you be happier even if nothing in the world around you changed was the, basically the question that launched my PhD back in 2005. And it's not a trick question, but it's a really interesting question because if you let it rattle around a couple of times in your head, could you be happier even if nothing in the world around you changed? Then my answer to me was yes, which was a, which was a kind of, it's a bit weird because it was an admission that I had the potential to be happier but I wasn't being. So the world didn't need to change and the world wasn't going to change. But I, I, if I change me, then maybe I could be happier. But still thinking maybe it's just me as an odd bod. So I then addressed a keynote conference and I had about 500 people in the room and I said to them, because I was interested, could anybody, could you be happier even if nothing in the world around you changed? And out of the, the vast majority of hands went up with people looking a little bit surprised at their own admission. Uh, yeah, yeah, we actually could be happier. And therefore, it, it launched my PhD because I realized that it, was, it wasn't just me. It's part of the human condition is that we've all got the potential to be happy. Most people are a million miles away from feeling as great as they could. That's the bottom line. So the question there is, um, and it goes against the grain of traditional psychology, because traditional psychologists have always looked at people who are ill. So we spent 140 years looking at phobias, anxiety, disorders, paranoia, schizophrenia, with the good intentions of let's find out what's wrong with you and here's some medication or some therapy or some pills to make you better. I get that and I'm not dissing that. I think that's really important. But if you think about it in the opposite way, is that for 140 years since psychology was invented as a subject, psychologists have literally never, ever studied people who are already happy on the grounds of them not being ill. So what I decided to do, that question kicked me off on a journey to, well, who are the happy people? We actually don't know anything about them. So not only who are they, but what are they doing that allows them to, to flourish in a world that's hell-bent on knocking it out of you? And thirdly, most importantly, in terms of today's podcast is, what could we then learn from them that we can apply to our own lives so we stand a better chance of feeling great as well? And it's beyond obvious, mate. It's... Um, but but I, well, I call it the science of the bleeding obvious. But you, as you know, common sense isn't always common practice. Absolutely, I think it's great that you've been looking at the sort of components um, of that. And I'm quite inter interested. People refer to you as the doctor of happiness, and uh, I'm just sort of in. You know, I can see now of your 130,000 thesis and all of your work. Um, but but is that is that a bit of a cheesy one-liner or is? Uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, it, well, I, I do appreciate it. it's a terrible title, right? Doctor of <laughs> Happiness. I, I was going to call myself Doctor Feelgood, but I think the modern world dictates that's that's not really appropriate either. So I'll, I'll stick with the Doctor of Happiness. And it's interesting, you know, if you go to a do and somebody says, "What, what, what, what do you do?" and I say, oh, "I'm a Doctor of Happiness," they immediately laugh in my face, fall around laughing, which has immediately made them happier. They've missed the. So there's a point to that. But I, you know, fi fifteen years of hard graft actually 
taking the research and completely spinning on his head. In fact, if you think about it, I kind of started to think about it in a slightly different way. If you just bear with me, mate, there's a difference between change and transformation. All right. So, so, and, and to get it, you have to imagine that you lived in an egg. All right. So just go with it. Right. So you live in an egg and you can be really, really busy changing your egg so you can be in your egg and you can be busy putting a kitchen in it and making it look really good and painting it and decorating it and you can spend your entire life making your egg look fantastic and that's change a lot of people do that most people will do that in their lives transformation is about hatching right into a world out here that is pretty much wow full color amazing world that most people never get the chance to see because they're so busy changing the egg now, transformation can happen personally. So it's happened to me. Is like I've gone from this kind of normal, kind of samey, samey bloke to, to somebody who's kind of got a different perspective. It's like my life is wow, right? But it also can happen to, to businesses in terms of culture change. But it also happens to entire subject areas. And basically what I'm saying is for 140 years, psychology has been in the egg, right? Been really, really super busy looking at people with issues to cure them. And I'm not taking anything away from that I think it's incredibly valuable but transformation comes at it from a different angle it says okay who are these people who are flourishing and my PhD is not really about happiness it's about flourishing and flourishing is when your happiness is bigger than you and this is where it gets exciting Chris because as a human being your emotions are contagious so if you're feeling amazing that's not just good for you and maybe later on in the, in the, in the podcast we can talk about how contagious you are when you're being your best self Absolutely, let's do that. And and I, you know, I immediately in in meeting you and our conversations have been, you know, energizing and you're energizing. And uh, there is a well, we could talk, obviously we're going to talk about that, but there is a real, there's a shift, isn't there? Personally, it is it is an inside job to enable yourself to uh, be have this energy which infects people. Oh, mate. Well, that's exactly. I mean, infection is an interesting word, isn't it, with COVID out there? And I get, I am, in fact, maybe before we go, because I know you're going to go to an ad break in a minute. I love being on a podcast with actual adverts, mate. It's proper, isn't it? <laughs> but um, I think, shall we just get a grip on reality, first of all? I am a doctor of happiness. I've got a PhD in human well being, but I am very aware there's a pandemic out there, all right? So I'm not all jazz hands. I'm not happy clappy. I'm not, let's not pretend that it's great. You know, I've got Brexit and Donald Trump and then and, and, and the weather and lockdown and social distancing, just like everybody else. So reality sometimes bites you like a junkyard dog. It sinks its teeth into your backside and it doesn't let go. And the pandemic is out there and it's real, all right? So it's okay to not be okay. But that said, there are things that you can actually learn that will massively improve your odds of having a brilliant day. But there is a word, mate. It's an old, it's an old English word, but you've never heard it. Grinagog. It's from the 18th century. And a grinagog is somebody who's so happy you want to punch them on the nose. Right? And I'm not asking anybody to be all jazz handsy and pretending it's great because it isn't. But the fact it isn't great at the moment, the world is trying to beat the heebie-jeebies out of us. There are things we can learn to fight back. Uh, wow. And, and is... Um... Would you, would you advocate people become grinagogues? Uh, no, absolutely the opposite, right? So if, you're, if somebody wants to punch you on the nose because you're too happy, then that you've taken it too far. Can I give you, have we got time to just do my epiphany moment? 60 seconds, right? Just hang, hang on to your pants and let's go with this, right? So the average lifespan is 4,000 weeks. Now, I, I deliver training in businesses and in schools. If I go into a primary school and I announce to the kids in a primary school, guess what, kids? You're going to live for about 4,000 weeks. There's cheering and clapping. I get a round of applause. Oh, my gosh, Andy, that's like the best thing ever. Yeah, 4,000 weeks, that's like forever. But your listeners, mate, as adults, there's less punching of the air, isn't there now? And there's a lot of people. It's a tumbleweed moment. There's a lot of people are going, oh, right. That doesn't sound very many. Is that even true? I've used a few. And I'm coming at it from your 4,000 weeks perspective, right? So I don't go into businesses preaching at, to tell people to work hard or be more efficient. I'm talking about your 4,000 weeks in life. If you could, life is a short and precious gift, mate. Let's not send it back unwrapped. Yeah. So make, make the most of it. We, we can't, we well, can't why wouldn't again, you? Can why we? wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. We can't live it again, can we? <laughs> well, who knows? I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm erring on the side of caution. I don't think I've got another life, so I'm going to make this one brilliant. Yeah. Right. Oh, so my epiphany moment, my, my epiphany moment was in a supermarket in a place called Ashby de la Zouche, right? As we go up to the break, let me tell you this. I'm standing in the supermarket and I had this epiphany laser-like moment of realization where I realized that everywhere I go, I'm there. 
right? But I know that's obvious, but at a laser light level, so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in the supermarket. Then I got through the checkout and I was in my car driving home and I was going, oh my gosh, I'm in my car driving home from the supermarket. Then I got to my house, I was putting my groceries away. Oh my gosh, I'm actually in my kitchen putting my groceries away. So my point being, I can't get away from me. I'm stuck with me for an entire lifetime. And therefore, if I can't get away from me, I may as well be stuck with a version of me that I'm proud of, a version of me that's got some positivity and a smile on his face and a spring in his step and some hope and some optimism, rather than the version of me from all those years ago that didn't have a lot of that. Yeah. Well, that's a lovely way to end. So during the commercial break then, have a, is, is a question that you'd like to pose to people to think about during the commercial break? Well, get yourself a pen and paper and write down 10 things that you really appreciate in life, but that you take for granted. So 10 things you're lucky to have, but you might just have taken your eye off. Awesome. Little exercise for you there. We're back again with you in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. We're going to talk about lots of strategies uh, to help you um, flourish and, uh, and, uh, and develop your personal brilliance. Be back again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Andy Cope, who, despite my, my cheeky little challenge earlier on, actually is a doctor of happiness, or should we say a doctor of flourishing. Um, Andy, we were touching in the break about the about the new normal. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, even when you say the new normal, you do the fingers, don't you? You do the sort of in inverted commas, the new normal. And I think there's I've been doing some radio stuff recently, mate, and I've been talking about I think there's good news and bad news on the new normal, right? So the the um, as a Brit, I like the bad news first, right? So the bad news on the new normal is that nobody really quite knows what the new normal is yet. It hasn't yet formed or shown itself. Right? And the good news about the new normal is that nobody quite knows what the new normal is yet. It hasn't yet formed or showed itself. And, and therefore, that gives us, every single listener to listen to this, it gives us a chance to shape what the new normal is for us. All right. So our own individual new normal is there for the taking. So personally, and I know that you work in the same environment as me, is, is I'm a keynote speaker and a trainer. My life pre-COVID I was spending three, four hours a day on a motorway at a freeway, driving up and down the country, absolutely frazzled with stress and exhaustion, getting from gig to gig, right? And since March, I've not had to do that. I feel amazing. I feel like I've got the energy of two people, right? Because I'm not completely depleted by all that commuting. And therefore, my new normal going forward, my challenge to me is to make my new normal 
a better quality of life. I've absolutely loved not having to travel. Now, that's just my example, but your listeners will have a chance to shape their new normal. And wouldn't it be cool? I mean, here's a really cool thing, right? How cool would it be if we came out of COVID, we came out of lockdown in a better place than when we went into it? Yeah, and that is perfectly possible because the science of positive psychology essentially is all it can do is like in my supermarket example previously, I can't control the weather and I can't control the politics. I can't control COVID. I can't control the traffic. But with a little bit of kind of effort and training, I stand a better chance of controlling me. And by being a slightly better version of me, I'm better able to deal with the weather and the traffic and COVID and the politics. It doesn't make any of that go away, but it puts me in a better place to deal with it. Yeah, good, good advice and a good a good thing to think about that in terms of you know what what would enable you to be in a better place than you went into with COVID you know and, and as we've said it's an inside job it's not responding to everything you hear in the media because that's a that's a problem isn't it the newspapers and uh, the newspapers are mate I looked at news consumption as part of my PhD and you know. <sighs> The news is real, right? So the news, but think about what is piped into your living room is is hot spots of murder and torture and war and famine from the worst places on the globe. There's something, Guy Browning, he talks about the four horsemen of negativity, all right? So if you've got any of these things that I'm going to say, you'll have what he calls minor glumness in the pit of your stomach, right? So that kind of Monday morning of, oh, here we go again, that feeling. So these are the four horsemen, right? He talks about monotony. So same old, same old, here we go again. The weather. I mean, as Brits, we like to have a moan about the weather. Too hot, too cold, too really, too windy, too rainy, whatever. The traffic. I mean, that's eased because of COVID, but it's getting back to its pre-COVID levels. And then the news. His fourth horseman is the news, is that it's piped into your living room. It, it makes you angry, makes you shout at the TV. We could add a fifth one now, which is, of course, COVID. And the point being, if you can tick yes to any of those, monotony, the weather, the traffic, the news, or COVID, then you'll have minor glumness sitting in the pit of your stomach. <laughs> but, mate, if you can tick them all, and that's a very easy set of boxes to tick, you'll have what Guy Browning calls irritable bastard syndrome. And, mate, I, mean, I just think that's just genius because there's a lot of people who've got that. And we talk about contagion. Irritable bastard syndrome is the most contagious thing. It only takes one person at work to come in moaning about something and everybody's infected with IBS. It only takes one member of your family to be on a downer and everybody's on a downer. So obviously, the, <laughs> I think of this podcast, not just this episode, but generally the upbeatedness of the whole sort of series is it's like an inoculation against irritable bastard syndrome, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd had an internet on there. <laughs> to my list. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I think we need to be mindful of all of those, but d- how, do we, how do we shift our mindset then such that we're not irritated by those things, that we're not uh, having this irritable bastard syndrome? Yeah, and- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. I just think it's genius because it's funny because it's true. Yeah. Now, the thing about personal development, which is the, obviously the game that you and I and I think most of your listeners are self-help junkies, a little bit like we are, is that positive psychology is really good at telling you lots of new stuff that you can try doing. So it can give you lots of techniques, lots of stuff, lots of simple mind games and tricks that can give you a better chance of having a great day. But that's only half the story, fella. What personal development tends to miss out is to be a better version of you, you've got to stop doing lots of things (laughs) so you've got to stop doing lots of things that are dragging you down so if you're watching the news and shouting uh, angrily at the news then you've got to actually click the off button and not watch the news if you're spending six hours a day on twitter marinating yourself in anger then you've got to stop doing that and it's actually a lot harder to stop doing things than it is to start doing things so personal development is always about do this do that do that go and try all this new stuff which is fabulous but it only gets you halfway the biggest challenge of all is to stop stop doing stuff. So I'd say cut down your news consumption by 80%. You need to know generally what's going on in the world, but that 10 minutes will do at the start of the day and at the end of the day. You know, cut down on your social media and read a book instead. So there's lots of things you can stop doing. You've got to have the willpower to do it. You know, there's willpower and won't power that I talk about in the books as well. You know, and it's, 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 hard, to, um, it's hard to stop. Well, we all know that because the habits are grooved into your brain, of course. I'm having this conversation with my mother and she said, what if you, you're not, you're not listening to the news and you're not reading newspapers. Don't people think you're stupid? <laughs> well, you'd be, you, you might be slightly less informed, but you'll have a smile on your face. 
the answer to that is you can, you know, I, I absorb myself where I can in, in engaging conversations with people like you. That's a better use of my time. But I will watch the news once a week and I will maybe read a, read a, an online newspaper once a week, but that usually is enough to give me a flavor of what's going on, but without being dragged down. Well, once again, you just nailed it there, mate. A better use of your time. If we go back to those 4,000 weeks, all right? I did, th- I did a thing in schools, you know, pre-COVID, and I said to the kids, I said, what have these got in common? Four things in common, right? A hummingbird, your favorite pet, a giant tortoise from the Galapagos Islands, and you. So what have they got in common other than good looks? And the kids are like, oh, I don't know, or the old animals, whatever. And I said, well, what they've got in common, so a hummingbird, your favorite pet, a giant tortoise, and you, what they've all got is about one billion heartbeats. All right, one billion heartbeats. Now, it's not exact, but so that's why the hummingbird, with all its frantic flapping, will live for about a year and a half. That's its billion heartbeats gone really quickly. But the tortoise, with its slow, plodding um, heartbeat, will get about 150 years. So we're back to the 4,000 weeks. The li- average listener listening to this is going to get about one billion heartbeats. All right? And that is where your life is really lived, is heartbeat to heartbeat. And it's about making the best of them, making the most of them. Personally, sitting, screaming at the news and the politicians isn't, for me, a good use of any of my heartbeats. I, I like that, Andrew. That's really, really got me, got me thinking about uh, using my time. My heartbeats really, really well. So let's look. I, I'm going to look at some of the things out of your, some of the articles that have been written about you and about brilliance and and a few things I've not maybe uh, focused on before. So tell us what this phrase means because um, I'm slightly concerned about it. It's called masturbation. Oh yeah, careful how you say that one, fella. <laughs> masturbation. Yeah. Now, <laughs> masturbation. Once again, always makes me grin. But it's bang on because it talks about masturbation is when you turn things you would like to have into things you absolutely must have. All right. And every so basically every single advert on the TV is designed to make you unhappy with your life so that you have to buy the product to be happy. So we end up masturbating. So, you know, you buy a car and you've wanted that car for ages. You sit in that car and that car's brilliant for about a week and then somebody's got a better car than you. So you start masturbating about their car, right? And it's not just cars, it's everything. You know, my, my kids want new mobile phones. They've got a two-year contract. They don't want to wait two years. I want to, I'm 18 months. Can I get me upgrade now, Dad? Because they're masturbating like yeah so we're back to pre just before we did the break you i you said have you got a challenge for the listeners and i said write down 10 things that you you've got in your life that you're lucky to have what you take for granted and the reason that is quite an interesting activity is that those things i could second guess what's on your list right so if you're going to prioritize most people would put health and people relationships at the top then you get stuck and weird things will crop into your list like having a health service living in a democratic country you know having four seasons that we do in in the uk uh having having a roof over my head and having central heating and sit down toilets and i turn my tap on and clean water comes out and and, I, and the other tap hot water comes out there's parts of the world i've got a fridge i've got supermarkets i've got a car i've got freedom maybe 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 We've got to be different to everybody else. Most people, the masturbators, are spending a massive amount of their life moaning about what they haven't got. Whereas what I'm really saying is if you look at happy people, they tend to not masturbate. They're very much more grateful for what they already have got. So if all the listeners do their list of 10 things, wake up tomorrow morning and go, wow, look how lucky I am. Gratitude, Chris, it's like, uh, I describe it as like fertilizer for happiness. So it's not, it's, this is about stuff, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what you, you find as I get a bit older, I kind of, I, I, like, I like my technology and uh, I just bought myself a nice new camera and, but that's partly linked to work and a nice new microphone. But outside of those sort of things, I don't really need anything. And I, I think the <laughs> COVID period, you know, I've got, I've kind of got around me what I need. I've got clothes that I've had for some of them quite a few years, but they still fit and they, they look okay and got a nice home and, I don't, my kids say to me, dad, wouldn't you rather have a, a Tesla or a, or, you know, or wouldn't it be better to have a Ferrari than what you've got? And I say, no, I really don't have any desire. For <laughs> Mate, well, that's because you get this intuitively. Yeah. But how many people do you see lusting after or masturbating after something, the next new gadget, the next new thing? I mean, there's a Swedish word. There's a Swedish word. Sweden's a very happy country. The Swedish word, lagom, L-A-G-O-M. And lagom basically means enoughness or sufficiency. So Lagom means that you've probably got everything you already need. So I think, I think masturbation, it's not about 
it's about trying to step off the materialism treadmill just a little bit or slow it down. And it's not about having more stuff. It's about knowing when you've got enough. It's about knowing when to stop. It's like, you know, you live in hotels like I live in hotels normally when we're traveling and you, there's an all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet. Mate, I used to pig out on that. I used to eat four breakfasts to get my money's worth and then feel really bad all day. Whereas Lagom, every time I go down for breakfast now, Lagom, I'll just have enough because there will be another meal in about three hours. I don't actually have to stuff my face. <laughs> That's just a little example, but it just came in my head. Well, you're carrying it around with you for a lot longer in yeah. weight, in pounds. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to have a go at the overweight business people out there, but there's a lot of them make, still eating the breakfast I used to eat. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is. And, but that's one of those things, isn't it? You talked about it's stopping things. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. guilty of this. I'm working from home. We've got kids at home as well. There's, there's cats, there's, there's um, crisps in the cupboard, and I find myself, you know, I'm, I'm there at the cupboard with a packet of crisps open, I'd, and I have only just realised then that I've actually left my office at the other end of the house. Um, it, it takes a bit of challenge to stop doing things, doesn't it's it? It's the stopping again there, mate, isn't it? But it's called being human. We are allowed to err. We are all, well, I'm full of faults myself, yeah? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with an occasional packet of crisps. But, I mean, most people are coming out. It's a bit of a subtle thing, but we're driven because we think that once we have enough, then we'll be content. So we're always chasing more stuff and then I'll be happy. Whereas the truth is that once you're content, then you'll have enough. So if you can learn to be content with who you are and what you've got, then you don't feel the need to masturbate anymore. <laughs> great. So let's move, from, um, let's move away from masturbating to um, another word I had not come across this before. It was... Uh, vip- vipassana vendettas oh, bless you oh you've been doing your homework fella i love it yeah vipassana vendetta it's a, it's a sort of buddhist uh, i've just i came i went to india last uh, last year for four months so i took some time off work just jacked it in age 50 my wife said it was a midlife crisis but it wasn't i'd always wanted to go to india she didn't fancy it so i went with a backpack on the cheap and I was going to go, I was going to fly to Delhi, and I was going to go up into the Himalayas, into a monastery, and I was going to sit cross-legged for four months, grow a goatee beard, and become enlightened. And I hated it, <laughs> right? <laughs> I loved India, and I love the people, but I didn't need to sit for, you know, six weeks with my legs crossed to understand Vipassana Vendetta, which essentially is this. It's, its literal translation is the magnification of tiny little irritations into full-blown anger. So Vipassana Vendetta basically means your day is not ruined by one big thing. Your day is ruined by about 200 little things that gradually rob you of your energy and your positivity. All right. So it's so what I decided to do about a few years ago, I decided to give up moaning. You know, like the low level, so particularly the Brits, we're low level, I call the mood hoovers. When you get stuck in a level of just grumbling about everything, the traffic's bad, the weather's bad. You don't know you're doing it. You just get stuck and, uh, in low level grumble. So would it be interesting as a Brit to not moan? Would, I mean, would I have any friends left for a start? If I go out with my mates on a Thursday for a beer and I don't moan, what are we going to talk about? But I thought I'm going to give it a go. Um, And I've not moaned for about six or seven years now. And I feel amazing. I just let all the trivial little nonsense go. In fact, let me give you an example, right? So I cured my road rage six years ago. I went on a course and somebody, a bloke told me this. He said, next time somebody cuts you up in the traffic, instead of kind of getting all irate and chasing them across town, going, oh, I'm going to get you. Don't do that. What you've got to do is sing a song from a show, right? So So next time somebody cuts you up, instead of chasing them across town, you have to go, Oh, dearie me, you've just pulled out at the junction. If you do it again, I'll have to follow you home. And by the time you, I mean, that's a bad example, right? Because I can't sing. But what I'm saying is by the time you've sung that song, then you've got no desire to chase the person because you're not angry. You've got a smile on your face and you've let it go. And I challenge all of your listeners to think, actually going home and somebody says, how was your day? And you're going, oh my God, don't talk to me about my day. You've just poisoned your whole family with negativity and the question is was it actually a bad day or was it just a bad five minutes that you're milking yeah how, how do you stop yourself because sometimes you just find it just <laughs> it's a stopping again it's a stopping you see it's a stopping you've got to rewrite the circuitry the it's very it, it is difficult to stop yeah letting go but the thing about not moaning the thing about giving it up is you start to feel amazing 
um, and you'll notice lots of other people moaning and you don't join in. You come up with clever ways of, of, of kind of switching the conversation around without being a dick about it, Chris. You know what I mean? I don't want you upsetting people. Sometimes it's perfectly okay to, to have a grumble and a moan. But what I'm saying is that shouldn't be your habitual default position. And for too many people, it is. So it's raising your game. For not just, you know, after the break, we'll talk about how this ripple effect that I'm dying to talk about. So if you can't be bothered to be more positive for yourself, then do it for the people closest to you. Fantastic. Well, on that note, we shall go to commercial break. Uh, come, come back after the break and we'll be talking about the ripple effects. Anything else in the break that maybe people should... Uh consider uh well if you've got still got the pen and pen from earlier then why don't you have a go at writing down your top 10 happiest moments of your entire life which is challenging but have a go at it and then we'll, we'll pick up on that shall we awesome sounds a good plan be back again with you again in just a couple of minutes get writing from the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Andy Cope. We're talking about the art of brilliance. And do, do please, if you've got any comments, you're enjoying the show, uh, you've got any feedback on it, um, you do, set, do send it through to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Um, I, I do, you know, part of my happiness, I love to uh, receive, uh, receive feedback and know people are enjoying this and if there's anything there, with to Andy, I'll share that with Andy as well. Um, you know, that does contribute to our happiness when we're putting things together. And uh, I think it's nice sometimes to, I, I certainly find dropping little notes to people who've done things that uh, you've enjoyed uh, is something that makes me feel good as well. Uh, so we're, I'm talking with uh, Andy Cope. We're talking about uh, you know, happiness and flourishing. And Andy, you, do, do you want to share any more strategies with us? Yeah, well, hopefully uh, d- during the commercials, maybe people did get the pen and paper and have a go at the top 10 happiest moments of their life, which is, which is a big ask right, in two minutes flat. But what you'll find, if you just spend some time doing that this evening, then what you'll find is that all of those things will be exactly that. There will be moments. There won't be any products on that list. It will all be moments that mostly spent with people that you love um, and probably with no Wi-Fi. And, and therefore, it's less, we're back to that masturbation, it's less about buying stuff and more about having more of those moments and savoring more of those moments. It's those heartbeats, mate. It's those heartbeats ticking by is making sure that we're grounded for each one of those and that we're truly in the moment. Instead of, there's something called destination addiction, which is essentially where people are putting their happiness off to some point in the future. So I'll be happy at the weekend. I'll be happy on holiday. I'll be happy when I retire. Whereas, of course... Destination, you know, you might have a holiday booked in six weeks and you go into work and somebody says, how are you? And you say, only six weeks to go. And what you're saying accidentally, and I know that you mean well, but what you're saying to yourself there is, I'm guaranteed to be happy in six weeks time. All I've got to do is get these six weeks of my life out of the way and then I'll be happy. Whereas really what positive psychology is about is about, well, how can we learn to be happy now in this heartbeat right here as well? I want you to be happy in six weeks for sure, but 
learning to be happy now, learning to be happy on a Monday the same as you are on a Friday is a really, really big deal. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it, absolutely. Not, not, not putting it off. I, I like that you mentioned there. You were used to, once upon a time you were happy on a Saturday, but you were, you were not happy on a Monday. And it's just interesting that the psychology, isn't it, about, about weeks and how we perceive work. And, well, um, it's all, I spent 15 years interviewing happy people, Chris, right? 15 years, tracking them down, sitting them down, talking to them about happiness. And what, what I figured really early on <laughs> is that they live in exactly the same world that I do. So they've got the same politicians, they've got COVID. It rains on happy people. They get stuck in queues just like I do. But what they have is these mental strategies, intentional strategies, as they call them in the PhD, is all they basically do is they live in the same world as us, but they have different ways of thinking. So one of the, let, let me give you a really, really simple one, because I know we haven't got masses of time, but let me give you something, once again, that was a big breakthrough for me. So in terms of consciously and deliberately choosing to have a positive attitude, which is the number one thing that my happy people do, is that they, and I know it sounds obvious when I say it, and I, I didn't say choose to be happy, all right, so it's a nuanced academic point here. You can't choose happiness. Happiness is an emotion that you can open up to and let more flood into your life, but you can't choose happiness. But positivity isn't an emotion. It's, a, it's, um, it's a, an attitude. Therefore, it's something you can work on. So let's go back to 2008. And I was reading a book on mindfulness at the time, and one of the sentences said, <laughs> what you need to do is wake up in the morning being really grateful that you've not got toothache. And I can remember thinking that was a bit weird, but I thought, you know what, I'll give that a go. So waking up in the morning, being really grateful that you've not got toothache. So I don't leap out of bed full of energy. I get out of bed like a normal human being. But every single day in 2008, that would be my very first thought. As my foot hit the carpet, I would go, oh, my gosh, here we go another day. But hand to jaw, it's like, oh, hang on a second. Ooh, yeah, no toothache. Fantastic. What a great start to the day. So the conscious act, just bear with me, mate, right? Because the conscious act of not having toothache puts me in a great place, right? I've got loads of energy. I've got a smile on my face. So when the kids came down for breakfast, dad's got a smile on his face. He's got some music on and I'm serving the Cheerios with a smile. So my kids went off to school much happier because dad was happier. I was happier because I didn't have toothache and nobody knew because it was entirely played out in my head is a little game I was playing to myself. And I may, I cannot tell you the difference. I came alive, right? I had the energy of two people. My career was amazing. I got promoted about three times in one year. My book started to take off. I kept so creative and so full of energy that the next year, 2009, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, 365 days consecutively, I've got out of bed and consciously and deliberately been grateful that I've not got toothache. And it has pretty much been like rocket fuel for my life. So I thought, right, next year, 2009, I don't want to get complacent. I'm going to keep it going, but I'm going to change it. I'm going to up it. I, um, I, ch I changed the body part. I did kidneys, basically. So <laughs> picture the scene. Now I'm getting out of bed, 6 a.m., you know, bleary-eyed, giving my kidneys a rub and going, oh, you little beauties. Oh, you kidneys. You're still working. Thanks for keeping me alive. Now, mate, I know that's weird, right? But if I ask your listeners, when was the last time you thanked your kidneys? Then most people's honest answer to that is, well, uh, never. And that is my exact point. Most people don't. Most people will hit the snooze button and try and get another nine minutes and 59 seconds of sleep before they drag themselves out of bed. I used to do that also. What I'm really saying, we're back to those pesky heartbeats again, mate, right? What I'm really saying is this, yeah? As a positive psychology doctor is this, I'm 53 years old. I'm a normal average bloke, but I understand it at this level. One day, I won't be able to get out of bed. So one day, I'm gonna be too ill, or I'm going to be too old. So really what positive psychology has taught me, and particularly the choice to be positive has taught me, is that while I can get out of bed, then I may as well get out of bed like I really mean it. And I know that sounds simple, mate, but I can prove to you through my academia that there's only a very tiny percentage of the population that are making that choice. So, so, you, so you do that, and you, know, you mentioned about your kids um, heading off to school, What's, what's the ripple effect of all of that? Right, ripple effect. So flourishing, uh, as I alluded to earlier, is where I think the real magic source is because your happiness is bigger than you. All right, so essentially, I mean, I could talk phrases on this, but to keep it, to keep it simple and to keep it brief is your happiness leaks out of you and reaches three degrees of people removed from you. All right, so let me give you an example. So the numbers, the input magic numbers are 16, 10, and 6. 16%, 10%, 6%. So... If I get out of bed and I'm having a cracking day and my kids come down for breakfast 
then my happiness will leak out of me and anybody I come into direct contact with during that day will catch my happiness by a minimum of 16%. So my kids come down for breakfast, dad's in a good place, so my kids straight away at 7 a.m. are 16% happier because I'm in a good place, so it's worth doing straight away. I'll drive to work, my kids will go and stand at the bus stop waiting for the school bus. School bus pulls up, my kids are 16% happier. So when they get on the bus, they may just smile at the bus driver and say hi, right? So give the bus driver a quick smile. Bus driver is now 10% happier, mate, right? I haven't met the bus driver, but the bus driver is driving now to school with a smile on his or her face thinking, do you know what? Maybe the newspapers are wrong. Teenagers seem pretty good nowadays. Bus driver, who's 10% happier, gets back to the bus depot and has a cup of tea with all the, the other bus drivers. The other bus drivers are now 6% happier right? I haven't met the bus driver. I haven't been to the depot, but it's leaked out of me into my kids by 16%, into their direct contacts by 10%, and into their direct contacts by 6%. So you having a good day is so much bigger than you. It creates a ripple effect. And if entire communities upgraded to best possible self, then it's like a tsunami of positivity that can cascade across an entire town. It's brilliant because this, this is, you know, my work is around helping leaders and teams and building highly engaged workforces you know, just by just by going into the office, getting yourself mentally prepared and, and uh, being on the front foot before you get in the office, you actually, the minute you get in the office or you've been on the phone to somebody in the car, you are having an impact, aren't you? Well, mate, you cannot not have an impact if you work it that way, right? And I always say to leaders, the kind of catchphrase I say to leaders is your job, you know, relax, chill, chill a little bit. Your job as a leader is not to inspire your team. Your job as a leader is not to inspire your customers. That's too much to take on. Your job as a leader is to be inspired. And if you can get that bit right, if you can sort yourself out and come to work with a genuine upbeat attitude and a genuine smile on your face, then you will create the ripple effect. Other people will feel great. And of course, the business benefits of people feeling great, you know, happy people are more creative. They work harder. They have less time off sick. They grieve great customer care. They add shareholder value. Happy people uh, make the world go round, mate. So it's amazing. And, oh, yeah, well, now I've, I've gone off on one. I've calm, calmed myself down. But um, honestly, it is probably the, the smallest change that will have the biggest impact is, is that conscious and deliberate choice to have a positive attitude. I mean, if you, if you just want to work it the other way, right, it's one that, uh, that, that anybody listening to this as an adult can do with the kids. So if you, it's a bit weird, but there's a question that I sometimes ask in schools, but it does work with adults as well. And it's a weird question, mate. It's, the question is, what hasn't happened that you didn't want that you haven't celebrated? Which, which I know is bonkers, right? So what hasn't happened that you didn't want the haven't celebrated? Let me give you an example, and then it starts to flow. So I woke up this morning, I opened my curtains, and there wasn't a zombie apocalypse outside. Right now, I didn't want there to be any zombies, and there weren't any zombies, but I didn't punch the air and announce to my wife, hey, guess what, Lou? No zombies again. Woohoo! Because she would have thought that was weird. And it's really hard for your brain to celebrate something that hasn't happened. Now, kids take this to another level, right? I did the Jersey Book Festival a couple of years ago, 600 kids in the Opera House in Jersey, all aged between six and nine. So I had the first time ever to ask the kids, kids, what hasn't happened that you didn't want the album celebrated? About 650 hands go up in the air. Little boy, microphone goes to him, six years old, he stands up, what hasn't happened that you didn't want the album celebrated? He, he said, um, I haven't been murdered in cold blood by a ventriloquist dummy wearing a clown costume, ah. which, Chris, that's genius, man. I mean, I don't know what movies he's watching, it's a bit scary, but so... But he said, what I've learned today, Andy, is I'm going to celebrate that every single day, which is brilliant, right? Little girl next to him, I went to the toilet this morning and there wasn't a crocodile in it. I said, did you want there to be a crocodile? Of course not. It would have bit my bottom. He <laughs> says, what I'm going to do every day is celebrate no crocodiles. Now, I know that's odd. I know that's weird. But basically, remember the negativity bias from earlier? Your brain is really good at noticing the bad. Your brain is a problem-spotting machine. And therefore, what I'm really saying is there's a lot of bad stuff out there that's not happening. So rewiring your thinking, which is essentially where, what happy people do, is you've got to break the habit of looking at the negative and maybe start to look at the negative stuff that isn't happening. You will have a load of fun around the dinner table with your family once you've explained the question and given them a couple of examples. Kids will come up with stuff that will knock your socks off. Yes, Andy, we've just got a, a, just two minutes before I've got to finish the interview. But you know, just very briefly, what, when you're working with clients, how do you help them? Who do you help? 
Uh, we help anybody, mate. We work with all the way from chief execs uh, and uh, companies all over the world, all the way down to eight-year-olds in schools. Um, and it's pretty much exactly the same message. So essentially what our business does, and there's about 20 of us now in the team who deliver keynotes and workshops all over the world, is about taking the science of positive psychology, putting a, losing the big words, putting some spin on it, putting some fun into it, putting some activities into it, and getting people to think differently for the benefit of their own well-being and the well-being of the people around them. And I think it all boils down, mate, is if I, once again, in the school, if I say to the kids, what does practice make? And they go, perfect. I go, no, 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 no. In positive psychology, practice makes permanent. So all of this is about working at it and working at it every single day. And gradually, you know, my question to me every single day is, am I a slightly better person than I was yesterday? And if I can honestly, heartedly answer yes to that question on a regular basis, then I'm going in the right direction. Andy. That was absolutely brilliant. Completely, completely inspired me and uh, inspired me to make every every heartbeat count. And uh, I think you, what, you, what you're doing in terms of your work and all the research you've, you've it's uh, been derived from, absolutely fantastic. So uh, yeah, huge thank you. And and uh, I've got I've been a bit of not got a lot of time left. So Andy, if you want to get a hold of Andy, um, just check out artofbrilliance.co.uk and check that out. Have a look at his website and all the things that he does. On next week's show, we have Tom Campbell. This is going to be an amazing show next week as well. Uh, Tom is a 30-year NASA scientist, a nuclear physicist, uh, and he wrote a book called My Big Toe, The Theory of Everything. And it is absolutely mind-blowing. He predicted in 2004 that Mother Nature would get its own back on the way that um, uh, that we've looked after the planet. Uh, we're going to be talking about consciousness and uh, and, and the incredible research and work that he's done around that. So the first of, a, of, of two um, shows with Tom Campbell. So do come back next week. Do send comments to myself, Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Uh, and also uh, feel free to check out um, Andy Cope and the Art of Brilliance. Have a wonderful brilliant week. Uh, take some of these things that Andy shared and uh, make this week a, a fantastic flourishing week for you. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8am US Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.